Albert Einstein was a genius. He discovered the theory of relativity. And we learned that in school somewhere along the way, that E equals MC squared. But I would be hard-pressed to believe that there's not more than a handful of people in this space right now who could actually say what that means. We recognize the equation. We can draw it. We know how to make that funny-shaped E. But how to describe and how to discover the theory of relativity, well, that's beyond a lot of us. There was one thing, among many, I assume, that Einstein offered that we probably all remember. And that is a quote. Insanity, he said, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. And you know it to be true, right? That's wisdom. The theory of relativity is knowledge. There are only a few of us that will be able to comprehend something like that. But wisdom is available to all. Chief Seattle died in the mid-1800s. He was not schooled in any Western style. He didn't attend a university or go through a system of education that we would even recognize. But he said something that I believe will be familiar to each of you. Humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect. That resonates with us because it's wisdom. It's true throughout the ages. He learned it in his life, and in sharing it, it has become ours. And he's not the only person to say something in that way, to that point. But we recognize it because it is wisdom, which is different than knowledge. Wisdom tells us how the world works, how creation and reality works. And it happens throughout all generations. It yeah. seems impervious to the new discoveries of science. It can stand true throughout all times and in all places. We can find wisdom interwoven throughout all religions. And we'll find ways in which we agree because it's wisdom. It's available to us all. This is what we hunger for, I believe, to know how the world works. I remember when I was in middle school and my parents were giving the obligatory parent talk on sex. They said to me, don't think you're not going to want to do it. You are. That was wisdom. As a middle schooler, that was hard for me to comprehend. But later, those words rang true. How is it that we give our young people wisdom, which is what they're longing for sometime around that puberty age and on? I know my friend gave me a book of poems and of proverbs when I was in ninth grade. It's not very big. It's probably about 60 pages long, filled with quotes of all kinds of people. I devoured that book when she gave it to me in ninth grade. 
I loved to see the Proverbs and how they worked and how they were reflected in the world. But there was one proverb in there that I could not break. It didn't make sense to me until more than a decade later. It may have been close to 20 years that that proverb broke open and I said, Oh, that's what that means. Wisdom goes throughout all time, across all generations, across all boundaries that we have established, all areas of privilege that have been a part of life. That's what we see in the letter of James this morning. James, this epistle, is the only book of wisdom in the New Testament. It tells us how life works. Look at how profound his imagery is, talking about the power of our speech and how easily things can be ignited just by our very words. Well, now, doesn't that ring true? Isn't most of our news throughout the week listening to people's words, watching the fire that ignites, and then responding and deciding what our opinion is on the fire that has ignited? James is right. Our speech is extremely powerful. What an amazing image to think of it guiding our whole selves. It reminds us of Jesus' teaching about what comes out of a person shows whether or not they are defiled, not what goes into them. Imagine for yourself that you are the one with the bridle in your mouth, the bit in your mouth. How do your words guide your whole being? How is what you say powerful enough to turn something huge around? James is a book of wisdom, the only one in the New Testament. The Old Testament, we can look to the Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, even the book of Jonah. Each of those books are considered wisdom literature. They tell us how it is that the world works. And so we are challenged to consider James's words. How is it that what we say can change the circumstance around us? Martin Luther, who was the figurehead, I believe, in the Protestant Reformation back in the mid-1600s, he didn't like the epistle of James. He called it an epistle of straw. I believe his frustration had to do with the fact that people think that they can build themselves from their wisdom, protect themselves with their wisdom, redeem themselves with their wisdom, save themselves with their wisdom. And Martin Luther knew that that isn't true. You can build your house out of straw, and it'll hold until the wind comes or someone drops an extinguished match or the big bad wolf comes and blows. Martin Luther had a problem with this book because he felt like it tapped into our own desire to save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. And Jesus reminds us of that in our gospel lesson today. As he talks about what it means to be the Messiah, how it is that he will go and he will suffer at the hands of all these various authorities, that he will die and after three days be risen, his disciples have a problem with that. That can't be true. Look at who you are. Look at what you do. 
And yet, if you flip to the back, to the end of Mark's gospel, and you read about Jesus after he's been seen by the chief priests and handed over to Pilate, and Pilate goes out to the crowds because it's been his custom to always release a prisoner, and he asks the crowds, who should I release, Jesus or Barabbas? And they say, Barabbas. And he said, but what about this guy? What has he done? I find no fault with him. And the crowds cry all the louder, crucify him. Jesus, who employed wisdom in his life, knew that it wouldn't save him. That in and of itself is a piece of wisdom for us to know. Wisdom will not save us. It can open doors. It can make a a beautiful foundation for God's work to be done. But in the end, it will not save us. Anyone who has tried to apply self-help techniques to their own challenges and problems of their life knows that just because you know how it works doesn't mean you can make it work. We need a savior. Someone who comes in the in-between space of our best efforts and the end result. And we show up to the very edge of our best efforts and we push the envelope, the boundary of our best efforts, employing the wisdom, trusting that God will fill in the rest. That's what it means to be saved. That God in God's infinite wisdom knows that we are only dust, that we are like a breath that goes forth and doesn't return. We are like grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. So God in God's infinite wisdom has demonstrated God's infinite love in saving us through Jesus Christ. Amen.